amen his point about coming together and feeling the clouds of despair and desperation and gloom and doom lift. How wonderful it is to be together in the assembly as we are this morning. And, uh, it's so good to be a part of the Lord's body. And I hope that uh, you were able to pick up a handout. Uh, if you didn't, that's okay. It's rather out of the ordinary, but I did have some handouts on the lesson where you can jot down some of the main points that we are discussing. The book of Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books, and several months ago as I was keeping up with the daily Bible reading schedule, I read through the Ecclesiastes, and every time I'm impressed with just how practical that book is for us in everyday life. And as we think about the close of that book, and that's where we'll look at the text this morning, Ecclesiastes 12, it talks about the aging process. And so the lesson this morning is entitled, Gray Hair, Fewer Teeth, but a Great Big Smile. Getting there may not be that much fun. And passing through there is certainly going to be much better for us, as the Apostle Paul said. But as you think about aging and as you look at the situation involved in it, aging is something in our culture, in our times, and basically in our everyday lives is something that we really do not enjoy. It's very inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's something that we will uh, acknowledge, but we just don't want to accept its reality. We keep thinking that, well, I should be able to do this. After all, I did it before. But according to the Bible, it just doesn't work like that. The longer you live, the less you're able to do. I remember back in, I guess, what would be termed middle school in our educational system today, uh, in English literature, we were introduced to the Greek tragedies and uh, there were three of those, and on test you had to list those, and I remembered them by motor oil and uh, uh, SAE. You had Sophocles, uh, Asclop, well, I can't remember his name right now. That's one of those synopsis brain, uh, Bob. <laughs> and then the last is Euripides. But Sophocles was an interesting fellow, and I enjoyed his. He wrote. Greek tragedy of Oedipus Rex, and you probably remember that. But you remember, according to that Greek drama, that outside of the city of Thebes was the Sphinx. And in order to get into Thebes, you had to pass the riddle of the Sphinx. And if you didn't pass it, you would be devoured by that creature. And the riddle of the Sphinx went something like this. What creature has one voice but walks on four legs then two legs, then three legs. And many people met their demise at the Sphinx because they couldn't understand that. Well, the answer was, as Oedipus said, it was man. Man begins his life walking on four legs as he's crawling. And then he develops his two-legged walk. And then as he gets on up in the years, he has the walking cane, so he has three legs upon which he is to walk. I have here a photograph, an old photograph, of three ladies. You don't know who they are. But as you look at this photograph, I'm reminded of a statement that was made, and I think I put it in the handout. 
how photography is really a delusion because it freezes the narrative to keep you where you were at that particular point. I think back on many people that I meet from time to time that I met in uh, Fried Hardman or some other years, and I'll, I'll know the name, but I won't know the face. And so I'll go back and I'll look up in the annual and I'll see, and I said, yes, I remember that person. But I'm always amused to some extent because somehow they'll recognize me and they'll say, well, you haven't changed at all. Now, that's 45 years ago. I hope that I looked a little bit better than I did 45 years ago than what I'm looking right now. So that's a problem that I have. But I, I just thank them for that and appreciate their, uh, their remembering uh, because I really don't remember that much about them. But human mortality is a very difficult thing for us. Human mortality is described in the Bible in the briefest of terms. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this cometh judgment. Now the inconvenience of human mortality is illustrated by our culture. Have you noticed that? Have you looked at the advertising propaganda that's put out as the culture ages, so also do the advertisements of the products that are being sold that suddenly are supposed to reverse or stop the aging process in which you're going through. Now, it's been termed a number of different phrases throughout the years. The most uh, common in today is that of the phrase of body sculpturing. That's the term in vogue. But we've known it as facelifts, tummy tucks, and whatever else you want to, uh, to call it. But the idea is that here you can take a process and you can mold your aging physique so that you no longer are what you really are. It's something totally different than what you are. And you are able to get that youthful lust again. Now there are some that are not very courageous and they don't want to go through the body sculpturing process and so they turn to cosmetics to look and to grasp at the promises of melting wrinkles and fading age spots and a number of other things. It's interesting as you surf the internet right before this uh, advertisement that, that warns you what to do if your cat vomits every day and and right after the one that says, if your dog eats grass, do this, is this advertisement, after you watch 30 minutes of video, that you can lose 70 pounds while you sleep just by taking this pill. Think about that. After a week of that product, you wouldn't have to, there'd be no wrinkles on your bed. You know, because you're losing 70 pounds as you sleep. Well, the aging process is, is, is comical if you look at it and understand it. The threat of aging is not novel. It's always been viewed as a foe and a besetting enemy. And it's met with sarcasm. Some people deny it completely. Some people are very bitter whenever it comes to the fact that their body is just not what it used to be. 
Now, Ecclesiastes offers us some very practical advice if you're struggling with that issue. If you're uncomfortable with it, if it's inconvenient, then here are some facts that Ecclesiastes will help us to understand in regard to the aging process. Now, Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book. It's really an amazing book because it takes you on a tour of the human lifespan on earth. It starts out with the energetic vitality of youth, and then it moves on to the disillusionment and cynicism of mid-age, and then it concludes with the feebleness of old age just prior to the grave. Now, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, the tour of the human aging process has us sitting beside the aged, weary traveler. We hear his sighs. We, we hear his regrets. We understand his, his failings that he experiences because of the aging process. But it's a reality. Let's look at this process. And as we go through and examine it, I hope that you'll be able to take home some points that will help you as we get older every day. There are some realities, first of all, in the human aging process. Solomon counsels us that all of us must recognize that we are getting older. You can't deny it. Uh, you can't cover it up. You, you can't harbor bitterness and resentment about that. What are some of the realities? Well, first of all, there is the reality of decision-making. We see this in verses 1 and also verse 6. There the Bible tells us that as you are in the aging process at whatever stage you find yourself, you need to remember God. Earthly living is all about decision making. Your decisions here on earth will determine where you will spend eternity. What you decide here determines your hereafter. And that's why there is that emphasis there. Remember your Creator. Remember Him before that time comes when earthly existence is forever gone. All decisions are to focus upon that simple phrase, remember God. And you remember God by asking yourself simply, how does this fit according to God's plan? How does this work according to the principles that God teaches me in the Bible? This will determine our decision making in regard to one another and our decision making in regard to our relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And this, as I said, encompasses all staging of the aging process. That's why it's so critical for even the little children, even before they can speak, to be taught the principles of God. It's why it's important for us to have our children in Bible classes so that they can be brought up and they can be taught those basic principles of the Scripture that will guide them. Now, he especially makes the point in verse 1 that you would remember your Creator in the days of your youth. There's not a particular age that is set here, a numerical age, but the point is, you remember Him even in those times when you think that you are invincible. When you think that you have years and years and years laying in front of you. You remember Him because in those years it's so, so tempting to be taken away from God and to make decisions that are contrary to what God's book says. Youth is 
is easily deceived in regard to mortality. They see no urgency in thinking and obeying God at this particular time because they've got ample time. I'm not going to obey God. I won't be baptized. I'll just wait at a better time. Remember Him in the days of your youth. God must be remembered in our in our youth and in our adulthood. He says, before the evil days come. The evil days are those days that you make choices that are contrary to God's word. That puts you in predicaments and situations that, that bring about curses instead of blessings. You see, if you have said in your mind that you're going to remember God, then you'll remember Him and not be tempted in those evil days. We need to face life with a determined decision-making process that focuses on God. A number of passages I point out in your notes. Of course, there's Daniel 1, verses 8 and 21, where Daniel made up his mind that he was going to follow God. Verse 21 says, and he continued. Or in 2 Samuel 22, 22, there David said, I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not acted wickedly against my God. Isaiah 57, or 50, and verses 7 through 10. Isaiah says, I have made my face like flint. That is, the decision's been made and it's not going to be changed. I know that I will not be ashamed. The Lord God helps me. Who is among you that fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Solomon's advice here in the first reality is you're going to make choices. You're made, you've already made choices today. And one of those choices being here. And we're thankful for that. You're a great encouragement in that choice. But you're making decisions and choices every day that you live. And Solomon says, if you want to enjoy a long life with happiness and reward, then you start by making a decision in your youth that you will follow God and never relent. Look at another point that he brings out here. There is the inescapable reality of the body's physical failure. Now in verses 2 through 6, there's a number of poetic metaphors that are brought out by Solomon describing the deteriorating physical condition that we have. It's the same point that Paul stresses, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. He says, we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. See, he says the same thing Solomon does. Remember your Creator. Paul says, I'm making it my mission objective that I will always be pleasing to Him in all that we do. The decisions we make in regard to our physical bodies have an impact about the, the conditions of our spiritual body. An interesting point, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul deals there with the Corinthians who, who had, they were living in a culture and a climate and environment that really was anti-God. It was totally pagan in everything that they did. And Paul selects there two of the greatest temptations that mankind has. 
Number one is food, the dietary habits that they have. Number two is human sexuality. And he points out there that our choices in regard as to how we decide our actions in these two areas will have an impact upon our relationship with God. And listen to what Paul, the way he sums it up, chapter 6, verses 18 and 20, 18 through 20. Flee immorality. See, he lumps them all together and he says, it's very immoral to treat your body in a dietary fashion. And it's immoral to treat your body in a human sexual fashion that's contrary to God's law. So he says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And that's the same point that we read over in Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creation. Why? Because He's created your body and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you must not defile that body by any kind of decision that lacks self-control and self-discipline. Well, our decision-making in regard to our physical bodies, Paul says, impacts our spiritual bodies as well. All right, now let's look at verses 2 through 6 of Ecclesiastes 12. And here... Solomon lists in poetic metaphor the aging process. And he begins by talking about comparing the body with a deteriorating house. And we've seen houses like that. Over the years, they have fallen into disrepair and, and ultimately into total uh, ruin. And he begins with the metaphor of the house falling down. He says that basically is what your body it begins brand new, but over the years, there's going to be some trauma, there's going to be some trials, there's going to be some illnesses, disease. It's not going to be what it was later as to what it was at the beginning. All right, he says these are to be expected, they're to be understood. All right, first of all, he says there are certain mental processes that take place. And verse 2 identifies these for us. He says, Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. The mental processes are referred to here. That crisp, razor-sharp mental ability begins to fade. Whereas once you could re recall almost instantly names and facts and uh, other information, suddenly they become more difficult or they completely vanish, and you just don't have them, and you have to go and look them up. But he says, that's part of it. Don't, be, don't face it with gloom and doom and depression. Just understand that the cognitive abilities that you were born with are slowly going to deteriorate. And there are some situations that will cause that to advance quicker than others. But then he, he talks about some physical processes in verses 3 through 5. First of all, in the first part of verse 3, he says that the, the lips are going to tremble, the hands and the head are going to tremble, and the stooping of the legs is going to take place. He says, In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop. 
Well, we understand that. And then the next part of verse 3, he says, the teeth are going to become weaker and fewer. The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. And then he points out in the latter part of verse 3 that the eyes are going to be clouded and dim. He says, and those who look through windows grow dim. Of course, that's talking about cataracts. And thankfully, uh, some of the, the processes that they had to deal with in Solomon's time are easier to deal with in our time. We have good dentistry. We have, have good uh, ophthalmologists uh, that can, can take care of the cataracts and the vision problem. In the first part of verse, verse 4, he says, Hearing becomes impaired, and even deafness will occur. He says, The doors on the street are shut, as the sound of the grinding mill is low. You see, in the aging process, you just don't hear like you used to. I remember telling my kids, you know, we'd pass a car and you could hear it three blocks from where you're going. I said, you need to get in the hearing aid business because pretty soon what's going to happen, God has designed our hearing so that inside your, your ear canals you have these little, little hairs that vibrate and they pass along that information. Well, and you abuse that in youth, get ready. In older age, it's going to become even worse. Naturally, it will occur, your hearing lapses. And then verse 4b, he says, One will arise at the sound of a bird. Sleep is easily disturbed. All at once you find yourself awakening for no apparent reason. Sleep is disturbed. And the next part in verse 4, he says, That all the daughters of song will sing softly. The intensity of your voice begins to weaken. And those in the older years, the senior years, their voice is not as strong as what it was in the younger years. And that's to be understood as well. I remember teaching class in uh, Searcy and uh, Brother Jimmy Allen was there. And of course, many of you probably heard Jimmy preach gospel meetings. He has passed from this life, but after, the, uh, after one of the lessons, Jimmy came up to me and he said, Boy, I wish I had that strong voice again. You just don't have it. It's just a part that's going to leave and you need to be prepared for that. The first part of verse 5, he says, Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Solomon says, Now the older you get, the more your fears are going to increase. And you just watch. You'll be, you'll be looking and you'll be seeing fears and dangers and terrors that you did not see before. That's just part of life. Verse 5, the latter part, he says, uh, the almond tree blossoms. And that's talking about, as Brother Bob uh, mentioned, the gray hair, the silver hair. The almond tree was a silvery white bloom. Well, the older you get, your hair will either turn loose or turn gray. It's your choice. Well, not really your choice. It's more of your genetics choice, but uh, uh, you can't avoid it. It's going to be one of those two things that take place. And then uh, I like the next phrase in verse 5. He says, the grasshopper drags himself along. <clears throat> Have you ever seen a crippled grasshopper? 
That's what he's talking about. He drags himself along. Well, just wait. As the aging years advance, and you've been sitting for a while, and then you get up, the joint juices just don't flow like they used to flow. And you'll, you'll take a few steps and a few steps, and by then you get going. The grasshopper is dragging itself along. And then the latter part of verse 5, he talks there about procreation. He says the caperberry is ineffective. And there that uh, the caperberry is often referred to as an aphrodisiac in the old, uh, old uh, cultures. But he's saying there that basically the hormone processes that God created in your body, they were created for good, they are on an extend, uh, a definite time uh, they will not extend forever and ever. That's just the way of life and the way of aging. Well, there's one final point that he brings out here in verses 5 through 8, the latter part of verse 5. He says, For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him, as Davis read a few moments ago, before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed, the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Well, here the body's aging process, the time will come when the old worn out body just stops functioning. The sainted believer is tired. He yearns for rest. And I love that statement in Revelation 14, 13 about the saints of God. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. How wonderful that rest will be. And that's why Paul told the Philippians, it's far better for me to go on and to be at the Lord. And look at that rest that's going to happen. The golden heart stops beating, and man goes to eternal home. Death is viewed by many as grim and gloomy and hopeless, but, but not to those who believe and trust in God. Again, verse 7, the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Those who heed Solomon's warnings here will find a blessed hope in their death. Death is going to come to the saints in the center light. It's appointed unto all men, there's no exceptions, once to die. And so death is going to come to the saint and the sinner. And the death may come, as verse 6 says, because the, the golden bowl is crushed. It may be a stroke. It may be a heart attack. It may be a disease of vital organs. Whatever the cause, the inevitability of it is undeniable. It's going to happen. Moses wrote, at least we're told, one psalm in the book of Psalms. That's Psalm 90. And Moses made this statement, As for the days of our lives, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is only trouble and tragedy. It quickly passes, and we disappear. It's exactly what Solomon was telling us here. The consequences of aging are going to be felt in each one of us. And those that, that are able to live into what is called the senior years, then these things that he's told us are going to happen should be expected. 
And they're certain. It's just part of earthly life. If you're here, this is what's going to happen to you. Now there's some practical points that I want to bring from this point in Ecclesiastes. The first point that we find here is that life is very simple. Solomon boils it down to his basic elements. He says the elements of earthly existence will remain constant. You're going to be born, you're going to progress in the aging process, mature, and you're going to die. Now, there's no way to change that. But your view along that way is what's going to be dramatically different if you understand and remember the Lord God Almighty. The second realization is this. You're not getting any younger. The news for you today is this is the best it's going to get. <laughs> Daniel, this is it. And so, what, what are you doing? How are you preparing? Tomorrow and yesterday, tomorrow is still big game. Yesterday is gone. Don't worry about yesterday. Paul tells us in Romans 6.21 that we all did those things of which we're embarrassed about. Right, That's in the past. You don't worry about that. Because the grace and mercy of God has forgiven us of those things. But what about today and tomorrow and forever, however long God has uh, permitted you to live? God has designed old age to be inevitable. The physical body will go through those those stages, verses 2 through 6. You need to be prepared for the physical to fail and the spiritual to endure. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul says, Understanding we do not lose heart, but though our outward person is decaying, our inward person is being renewed day by day. That's where we are. And that's what we ought to do. This is the realization that we come to whenever we understand the aging process. Another realization that Solomon brings to us in Ecclesiastes is to realize that God has designed earthly life to be empty without faithful obedience. Now that's a message that really is contrary to what the world is teaching today. The devil is doing all he can to deceive man into thinking he's following God and he's very religious and very devoted, when in reality, he's, de he's ignored God's commands. He's not remembering God. He's following only himself. And how terribly sad it is to see people devoted more to themselves than they are to the Lord God Almighty. Verse 7 says that ultimately, dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Without God, nothing is satisfying. Verse 8 says, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Realize now that now is the time that we have to prepare for eternity. Are you prepared for eternity? Are you prepared to, to do what God asked you to do? Remember this simple point from the book of Ecclesiastes. You are never really living until you're ready to die. And so it doesn't matter how much fun the world says you can have by following its standards and its behavior patterns, but you need to follow God and God's will.
as again going back to Psalm 90, Moses says to God, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now there's one consuming mission objective that we have in life and is stated by Solomon actually a couple of chapters before that over in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. There twice Solomon makes this point. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Think about that. The end is better than the beginning. The emphasis of Solomon's wisdom for human mortality is that we are steadily marching toward the inevitable end of life. It's unavoidable. The question Solomon asks you, will your end be better than your beginning? Two extremes here. The first one is seen in the the point, the parable of the prodigal in Luke chapter 15. The word prodigal is never found in the Bible. In fact, we get that title from Luke 15 and verse 13 where it talks about him wasting all of his inheritance. It's really the, the parable of the wasteful son. Everything that he had given was spent on himself and totally wasted here. And so there are many today that are living like the prodigal. They're wasting opportunities. They're wasting resources. They're wasting their health. They're wasting their life. They're wasting their religious devotions. They fail to be a proper manager of their lives. They're not remembering God in their lives. And the sad eulogy of these individuals is simply they lived a wasted life like the prodigal here. But then on the other end, you find a fellow by the name of Onesimus. We're introduced to him in the the short book Philemon. Onesimus was, Paul points out in verses 10 and 11, he says, Onesimus was useless, but now he has become useful. How did he do that? He remembered God. Isaiah 48, 18, there the prophet said, If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then things would be so much different. See, we have a choice, one consuming objective. Let us not miss the point that Solomon is making all through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're all destined to go back to to the dust from which we came, but our spirits will go to God who gave them to us. And at that point, at the point of death, the moment you breathe your last breath and your spirit leaves your body, at that point you'll either be with God or you'll be separated by a great gulf, never to be with God and His people. Now death is not reserved just for the old time scarred veterans of life. It comes to the young people as well. Amos 4 verse 12 says that all should prepare to meet your God. At some point, you know, somebody's going to hold your photo in their hand and they're going to look at your, they won't know you. But what legacy will your life hold as they look at that photo in your hand? So ask yourself this morning, are you prepared for your death? And... The second question, will you end earthly life better than you began? You know, what a wonderful blessing God has given us in life. 
in living life, in, in going through the aging process. And those that have gone through the aging process, you look back on things and you're amazed at all that life has, has given you and the blessings that you have. And, uh, and, and as was pointed out, we have untold blessings that God has given us that we have yet to appreciate. But as you look at yourself, what is your life today? Are you prepared to meet God? If you're not, you need to obey the gospel. You need to come forward confessing Jesus as Son of God. You need to put Him on in baptism, having repented of the self-centered way and turning only to God, remembering Him in everything that you do. As you are immersed for the forgiveness of your sins, you rise to walk in new life. How wonderful that is. All things have been washed away and you are in the body of Christ. If we can help you do that, won't you come forward right now as we stand in